Welcome to another edition of the TRN Server Podcast. I am Blighty Ape, and joining me is a returning guest, and hey, Katra, who drives for the Breakout Racing League and the Realistic Tier, which will be tomorrow night or Thursday nights, and then also in Tier 2, which will be Saturday nights. Uh, that will be 7 o'clock Eastern on both races uh, for Thursday and Saturday. Ironically, the races that I commentate for the Breakout Racing League. How are you doing this Wednesday? I'm doing great. It's it's great that we finally got to get everything working so we can actually record this thing. Yeah, I mean, we meant to do this Sunday, but I don't know about you. Uh, with the F1 race ending two, at 2 a.m., I was watching the IndyCar race Sunday, just absolutely not with it. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean <laughs> Sunday was a struggle. Uh, and then, you know, we had work-related things, you had school-related things, league-related things kind of get in the way. Um, you had, a, I guess, the best and the worst ways to have a race over the last handful of days. Let's start with the best one, which was yesterday. <laughs> uh, you won the Daytona 500 for the first ever NASCAR race in the Breakout Racing League. Uh, I think I finished fourth. Um I think you can give Ethan a thank you card for a little bit. <laughs> I, I know it wasn't intentional, but uh, he was doing his best uh, Denny Hamlin 2020 clash impression with shoving you um, and, and fair play. Uh, just talk about that. Yeah. To start those, the first time I, I think, I mean, I've not had the worst, I guess, quote unquote career when it comes to NASCAR league racing, you know, 50 wins is definitely not, uh, you know, too shabby if you say anything (laughs) but to me daytona was always the race that i never could grab i mean i would always lead the thing i mean a lot of the times i would lead the most laps but i would always be leading because i just swarm those comfortable on super speedway races especially on the final lap but i never could grab it because i would always be the one that would be a sitting duck out of four every time and i've been beaten to the line six times and uh, it was actually, it's a very welcome surprise that I was pushed by the guy that I was actually lost out to the last time I did a Daytona race. So it was nice. I to remember that. that. But yeah, um... <laughs> it's, it's weird with plate racing because you can't really do what you really want to do. And, you know, your, your fate's kind of decided by whatever happens behind you and whatever transpires behind you. I mean, you look at me, I was trying to get the outside lane going to get by Ethan to possibly get by you. So yeah, it's kind of just one of those races where you just don't hold your own fate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, hey, we didn't have the big one at Daytona, but we had one at Bahrain in Tier 2. Um, <laughs> I have never seen as many cars crashed out in a eSports race like that up front. Um, I even saw a car get airborne briefly. Um, that caused, what, you uh, and, like, two three other people just retire on the spot if i'm not correct right yeah that is correct yeah it was a quite a big crash yeah uh i was commentating with wrath and um i don't think i said it on the stream but we both were waiting for a safety car because you would think with three dots there parked off turn three or yeah i think it was turn three um you would expect a safety car and we were like it never came. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm honestly quite because in the party I was in at the time, I uh, I personally said that should be a safety car. I mean, there's three of us out and on the racing line, plus a lot of debris everywhere. That's easy safety car. So get ready to pit for a specific tire. When I was in the party with Zach, with uh, Menico, and I believe a couple others as well, and never came. 
So oh. it, we just kind of sat there just like, wow, that's surprising. Yeah. Uh, I don't even think a VSC came out. No, it was nothing. It was just straight up yellow and then green. Yeah, I, I could understand if they weren't parked on the track, you know, if they were parked off in the runoff or whatever. But I mean, no, they were literally parked on the track. Yeah, we were on. Uh, I was on the racing line. Yeah, um, probably one of the weirdest glitches I've seen. Um, a part of the tier two season six at Singapore that was uh, started in the day, no formation lap. Uh, I remember having to try to message you and Echo of, hey, what are you doing here? Because I don't know what to tell Bailey. <laughs> yeah, that was... That was actually a very, very interesting day. Um, the, the, the entire lobby that day was not right. But no. me up in the booth trying to figure out, well, A, what to talk about in the situation. Because I didn't know what happened. Because I mean, all of a sudden, I see a guy, you know, I see Echo leave the lobby. And I see a, one or two people were like pull off to the left to like retire the car. Like it's an AI took over or whatever. And all of a sudden, I'm out of the lobby. So I don't know what's going on. And apparently half the lobby did the same. So we're just having that conversation. But yesterday or not yesterday uh sunday no saturday there we go finally got it uh <laughs> that's up what, there yeah it's, it's yeah it's been a weird week <laughs> yeah, yeah it has it i was, it was up there i remember telling bailey like hey just log laps i don't know what the heck's going on it's <laughs> <laughs> probably for the best yeah um but uh we'll get into the real racing stuff but before we do that let's hear a message from our uh, podcast partner in anchor to answer your question to me, I have a couple, and I haven't gone to the truck series yet because, I mean, to me, there's not really – I mean, there's some personalities in the truck series that I think would be good for it. I don't even think they did the truck series, if, looking back at it. I don't yeah. think they had a truck driver. I don't think, honestly, that would be the best of options to really select, go for. So I have, I have five for a cup and five for Xfinity, respectively, all with different reasons why. Because, I mean, some are more successful – and you would see that aspect of on and off the track, how they do all that stuff, how they get the results they have. Others are a, a different aspect that would give some kind of light or perspective and have a full around experience that would be like, oh, I didn't understand this is how that happened or this is how that works. So for Cup, it's you'll have like some of the obvious names that, I mean, it's both successful and has a personality. You'd be like, okay, yeah, I would not mind this. Now, the first thing I'm going to say... <laughs> Is either going to be like a very, very popular or very, very annoying for some to watch. That being Kyle Bush. I mean, I think honestly, for him, that would be really because I mean, a lot of guys they, they want to strive to be Kyle or they want to beat Kyle. And as of late, it's kind of you know, it's the same but different. You know, because his Kyle is not absolutely dominating like he once did, and he's not absolutely you know falling back. And having a struggle season like he did in back in what was it, 2018, when he had that issue. So to me, Kyle would be a great one to do. Plus, he's got his son Brexton in the dirt exactly. racing. That'd be another good story, or the people see more of. And speaking of, what about the other side? Harvick. He has his son, so that's already there's another story you can go on there. But same thing could be said for Harvick. I mean, he's still. A big, I mean, he, isn't, isn't he one of the original ones? Yes. Exactly. So now you look back on, well, NASCAR 360 from the early 2000s. What about him? Who's on, the, who's on that same exact series? What about that 18 to 20 years later? This yeah, is how far we've come. Yeah, when he's not uh, third year in cup, fourth year in cup, when that debuted. Yeah, that was 04. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be a good one to have. Because you have both their personalities, both are pretty 
you know, likable drivers in their own way. They're all both very successful drivers in their own way. Both have numerous amount of wins, uh, top 20, both of them are on the all time wins list. And obviously both of them are champions. Kyle two time have Harvick is a one time, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. So there you go. So, but then you have to another champion, but this time it's a very, very different perspective because it's not going to be, I don't think that actually was even a factor on that original series. And honestly, if Tony was still racing, I would put Tony here too. Maybe even Jeff, but Brad Kozlowski, because now he co-owns Roush Fenway Kozlowski racing. So he's a driver and an owner. That's a story in itself. Mm-hmm. So like the backdrop of how he gets to the track like this, boom, on the track action, off the track action, there's a story. There's an episode. There's an actual like prospect and character around it of the series to go for. What he does in the shop. Exactly. And then, I mean, if you want to go for straight comeback story, this could also go very well or very poorly. Larson. I mean, where he was a couple of years ago to where he is now. And everything in between, it's clouded over and filled with, like, do I want to touch that or not? But then you go on and see 2021. It's just, He has to prove himself. He, he just got a ride after what just happened over the quarantine, over the 2020 season. And all of a sudden, he comes on and destroys everyone. Wins championship and proves that he should have been at Hendrick in the first place. Ganassi was more so the issue. So there's a big talking point there. Plus, I mean, you have, once again, you know, some more talking point. Dirt racing, you could go highlighting of, hey, he's not just a cup champion that could go win on any given weekend. He now goes to three, four, five dirt tracks a week, by the way, and wins that too. That's a a talking point in itself right there. Yeah, um, I think if you wanted to add just a character, even though he's kind of tamed a little bit, because I agree if you're five, Ryan Blaney. True. He's kind of a character, uh, even though I think he's kind of mellowed out because of Penske. But he's still Ryan Blaney. Um, Do we even still call him YRB? Because he's not really young anymore. (laughs) I mean, he's getting up there in age. Um. I would say if you were going to do some youth guys, Ryan Blaney would be one. Uh, William Byron, now that he's more established. True. Um, Tyler Reddick would be a one I would look at. Um, young, talented, up-and-coming guys that I know Tyler hasn't won a race yet, but we're, that soon will change, in my opinion, this year. I'm already circled Homestead for him. I mean, I've already predicted him as the quote-unquote 2022 NASCAR Cup champion, so he better win a race or I'm going to look stupid. <laughs> I mean, they've had the speed, and he has the talent. I mean, he should have won Auto Club. If he wasn't for the tire failure, I know he didn't win either stage, but he was by far the best car at Auto Club. Yeah. Um, there's no denying his talent. Um, but I agree with those. Those are going to be the other three. I would have just jumped in there. What's your Xfinity uh... list? Yeah, that's that's one I've actually had a completely different mix of too. You know, you have the young talent, you have the the comeback story, you have the older guy, you have the owner, and you have the up and coming talent that's you know looking for that next step. I mean, you have, for example, as much as he's now getting hate around, it's actually we talked about this earlier on in the podcast. Ty Gibbs that would be a perfect one to have on here. Perfect. Yeah, and it would maybe show him away from the track that people don't know. Exactly. I mean, Which I don't. I mean, we don't know what Ty does away from the track, honestly. Exactly. I mean, he could be like a multi, 
like charitable donation. I mean, he could have different charity. He could do something. He he could fix. He could cure cancer. But we wouldn't know because we I mean, don't know him off the track. We don't know how much he's in the shop. I mean, for exactly. all we know, he could be at the shop every day and working at what he needs to do to prepare himself every day. Um, yeah, I don't disagree with that one at all. And then we go from the one of the youngest to one of the oldest in the Xfinity series. It's your boy, AJ. Why not? Yeah, you have to pick a bar somewhere. Oh well, he owns a bar, so just you'll have to be all right there. He'll be all right. (laughs) He'll be all right. But I mean, that would be a really good. I mean, especially because how far he's come with colleague. I mean, yes, he's he's been a huge mentor to Chastain, to Hemrick, to Haley, to all these guys around in the colleague shop about okay, what is good about the car? What is not so good about the car? I've been in this equipment. What needs to be changed? I've done this. I can now. How do you drive this circuit? How do you, you know, drive road courses? How do you drive short tracks? I mean, all this stuff. And he's meant, I mean, Chastain just won a cup race at a road course that I don't think he would have done if he hadn't come in contact with AJ. Oh, I don't disagree with that at all. So, I mean, that would be a perfect like mentor type thing. Cause I mean, you, you think of colleague, you think of AJ right now, you know, I mean, that's just how it is. Well, you just look at how much AJ's done. First off, how how colleague was the right place for him to go to after what happened at JTG of, you know, Hey, we know you're not the problem in the car. We know how talented you are. Tell us what the car needs. So that way you can show your talent, not the other way around. And I think that has really helped AJ's career at colleague. And that's why he's racing full time because as much as he loves racing, he loves racing for that team. Yeah. And I actually don't know because I'm in here twice, by the way. So I don't know if it's going to echo or not. I don't know. But all right, let's, let's continue on. So another one I have is speaking of colleague, why not Daniel Hemrick? You know, he's that comeback story. He went through, he, I mean, he went through the trucks, didn't win, went through Xfinity the first time, didn't win, but got that cup chance, went to the eight car. Ironically, as we talked about Reddick with earlier, he had that chance, went through it. RCR wasn't as good during that time. It was in 2019. Was it 2020 as well? I think it was, right? Uh, or was it 18 or 19? Uh, 18, he was in the cup at RCR. Then, yeah, I believe 19 and 20, he was uh, part-time. Okay, there you go. So, I mean, that's that's an example of his own. I mean, he, he went back from the cup series. He had that chance at RCR. Went to colleague, or I'm sorry, went to what was it? J- Gibbs JRM. at the time. Yeah. Oh, was it JRM? He went to JRM for a handful of races. Then he got yeah. his full full ride gig at Gibbs. There you go. So yeah, I mean, he went from literally a prestigious RCR team. I mean, they're not as good now as they once were, but they're still a big name in NASCAR. Tried to revive his career because it didn't go so well. Climbed back up the ranks, RCR affiliate now with colleague. And now could try to go work back up again has proved he's already he's won a championship. He won a race finally. Yeah. He's 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 getting there. That would be a great story to get around. I mean, it was a great story for him just to not only just win the race, but win the championship. That was yeah. probably that was the that was the most justified bump and run in one of them in NASCAR. Like, we're not gonna give you too much hate for this for how many times you've not won because of circumstances that weren't your fault. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Atlanta. With Kyle, it, it just had to be Hemrick that got turned. Can it, that couldn't be anyone else. It just that's yeah. yeah. I... <laughs> and then once again, I said it with Brad. Oh, why not we go to a driver that's been kind of centered around controversy in the last couple of years? Brandon Brown. 
Brandon Brown. Yeah. Um, I mean, that or you could do um, our motorsports. Or no, um, Ryan Sieg. Yeah, Ryan Sieg could work too. Yeah, We've seen so so much success from that 68 camp. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, he's made the playoffs, what, the last couple, two, three seasons, I think it was? Yeah, by virtue of pointing his way in. Exactly. So he's, I mean, he got that one win at Talladega. Sure, it was because of lighting and, you know, they could, they'd have lights around the track. But to me, Brandon Brown has been the most dedicated driver in that. I mean, he, he, he owns that team. Yeah. He, own, he does that car. I mean, I know I don't know how much he is involved with the actual building or workshop or mechanic wise of the car, but that is his team. Those are his this is those are his results. He's worked to get there. And to see it like pan out for how it did with Talladega is great. What happened afterwards, not so great. But it's a yeah. personality. Like that entire advertisement that is it's it's I think it stopped circulating around though, but it's hilarious. That he is full on salesman for that car. You're this could be you kind of thing. It was great. Yeah, I forgot about those commercials. That was great. That was Loved actually it. a really good PR move. Oh, it was amazing. I mean, because it was like, what is he doing? Why is he doing this? Like, you know what? This is clever. This is making people look at it. Yeah. That's <laughs> great. Like, this this is great. It's great. And um then- Okay, yeah, I lost count of your, uh, so you're on number five. (laughs) Yeah, this is the last one, which I technically did gloss over. The other one for Cup was Logano, but I don't remember him. Um, But for Xfinity, the last one I had was Gregson. I mean, why not? Yeah, especially now, because he's kind of mellowed. He's kind of mellowed out. I mean, he's still aggressive, and, and, you know, he's not afraid to use the bumper, but he's certainly come a long ways from where he was in 2020. Oh, where yeah. I mean, kind of look at where Ty Gibbs is at now. He kind of reminds me of Noah in those first couple years, just a little rough on the edges and kind of doing things that hey, you probably don't want to do this. Like you probably didn't need to spin out Riley Herbs at Texas. Just saying. <laughs> didn't help that Junior was in the booth as well. Which, speaking of Junior and his. Uh junior motorsports teammates did you hear the entire radio of what went down with all the drivers because they all went pretty much came together especially with uh josh barry and uh dale jr that was great i i see they were talking about that on door puppet clear and i don't know if that was much as the eight and the 51 more or less just you know trying to outbreak each other and just dale happened to be in front of them more than them just trying to use up dale um but yeah, uh, that would have been a very interesting, you know, team meeting that Junior had to be in. Because <laughs> I mean, it happened like twice. Because uh, I mean, obviously that one incident, but also earlier on, I mean, uh, Josh Berry cut his tire off of Dale because I mean, I don't know if Dale went up or Josh Berry went down, but regardless, he made contact in the middle of the straightaway. Dale's like, "Well, thanks. If you don't turn down in the middle of the straightaway, you know, that kind of thing." So, right. Um, I did catch this though. Junior is not going to do play by play for Xfinity this year. He does. Well, he doesn't want to be in the booth because, hey, he's an owner of four cars in that series, and he doesn't want to seem biased. See Tony I mean, this way. <laughs> well, I mean, Tony Stewart really wasn't too biased to his cars. I mean, not so much as well. Chad Canals was. I mean, we get it. Or how Jeff Gordon was. I mean, hey, yeah. we get it. We know where you work at. 
Um, that's why I love Matt Kenseth going in the, in the booth because he's not tied <laughs> to anything and he can say whatever he wants. And, you know, he can say hi to Joey Logano on the radio. Hey, friend. Is, yeah, that was hilarious. <laughs> it's so good. I have maybe two more. Jeb Burton, because of his story, mm-hmm. nothing's come easy to him. And his dad was originally in the program. But, I mean, the one thing about Jeb that we can say is he works hard with the sponsorships. And he works hard with the relationships that he has. And, you know, it's a shame that what happened to him at the end of last year with, you know, New Drag Solutions coming, you know, pulling away from the sport a little bit. Uh, my other one, and I'm not saying this because of, you know, I'm a colleague fan. I think Landon Castle being gifted oh. a really good car um, with the struggles, not struggles, but, you know, he's not been a competitive car for a long time. And now he's been handed a competitive car and kind of seeing what he can do with it. Kind of like how Jeb was with it last year, because it's difference. It's a difference between when you're handed a car that's going to run top 20 and you finish, you know, 15th or 10th. Cool. You're in a car that, you know, for a team that's made the championship for the last two years. So there is expectation there. Yeah. So that would be an interesting tagline or storyline to follow. Big time. Um, yeah, uh, I I really I know we got that Bubba Wallace documentary, but ever since Drive to Survive came out, I think NASCAR and also IndyCar, I think they look at the, each other going, "Why did we not do this to promote our drivers?" Because literally, they've grabbed everyone's attention here. They've gra- they've grabbed the young demographic generation. I'm speaking to it right now. Yeah, I mean, I think. That's where I, I, I think NASCAR or, or IndyCar should perhaps do this. I mean, does it make sense that Alex Pillow has less followers than Noah Gragson? <laughs> I'm not taking a shot at Noah. I'm not. And it'd be different if Pillow was just, you know, a, just a guy in IndyCar. No, he's your Indy champion. That yeah. makes, I mean, it would help promote both series, both forms of motorsport, in my opinion. Yeah, that's to me. I, I still cannot believe that Noah Gregson, who I mean, no offense to Noah, but he's not even in the Cup Series, has more followers than a IndyCar champion. That's yeah. beyond bizarre to me. Yeah. And I mean, speaking of Noah, if he did it this year, it'd be interesting to see how he progresses with perhaps what's going on around him, because if he continues his trajectory, I see him in Cup next year. And I don't know if he's going to get the second colleague seat because he's doing cup there, or if he's going to maybe replace someone that maybe is a fan favorite a little bit, you know, Icky Ricky. That's been a rumor. (laughs) So it'd be interesting to see how Noah progresses. Um, Well, I got to say this. I have to go commentate for the Xfinity race at Pocono for the Reaper crew. So uh, I got to, head off of this and get my twitch and all that ready uh i really appreciate you coming on here hey catra uh um, yeah we had to uh kind of sort of find a day this week to make it work because uh our schedules were busy yeah. um which i mean my work schedule is and you you only have what two months left of your senior year <sighs> technically i'm out in this time next month i mean i don't have anything to do but i i physically graduate a month from now so yeah so beginning of May or end of May? End of May. 
Oh, but, okay. I mean, I'm done with school physically because they're like, hey, you are in literally your senior year. We're not going to make you do whatever. So it's basically just sit here and don't do anything stupid for a month. I wish I had that. I didn't have that. <laughs> we had senior skip day, which uh, that turned into senior skip two days for me. Um, <laughs> hey, I didn't care. Um, well, next, this coming up weekend, I'll have Deer Hunter. And he'll uh, discuss or just chit-chat about him doing karting, actual karting. Um, and plus, we'll probably talk about F1 stuff and other forms of motorsports stuff. As the only form of racing here in America that will be on will be NASCAR is racing this weekend on Easter weekend. The Chuck Series will race Saturday night at the Bristol Dirt. And then the Cup Series will race Sunday night at the Bristol Dirt on Easter Sunday. So, hey, that gives us something to watch Sunday night. Um, I'm kind of happy about that. Uh, what are you? Are you happy about that? I just hope it's not as bad as it was a season ago. Let's just hope it doesn't rain for 12 hours and destroy the track. That too. That I mean, that did not help. Um. So I appreciate you guys tuning in and I hope y'all have a good rest of the work week or whatever y'all got going on this week. And we will see you then. Bye. And we're back. And so is Formula One back at Australia. Uh, They had the first race at uh, Melbourne. Uh, It's Melbourne, right? Yes. Okay. Wow. Um, (laughs) It's the first one they had since 2019. Uh, They were there in 2020 when COVID literally was a thing it literally struck that week uh it was won by charles leclerc from pole yeah that makes you happy he's won two of the first three races and honestly you look at what else transpired in that race um this is pretty important for the championship i know we're on race three but you know max Verstappen retires because of reliability issue and then carlos signs he kind of got screwed in q3 made a mistake made not the best start and then he got stuck in the sand trap i believe on lap two lap three i mean talk about that a little bit for charles going forward yeah i mean personally i mean i actually saw the stat is he's he's won four races but all four of them is one from pole so that's a good and a bad thing because i mean this so far showed that if he wins on a grand prix a weekend like he's had so far i mean Two out of the three races got in pole. Two out of the three races he's won. The other one was Verstappen at uh, Saudi Arabia, and he was in contention to win that too. But even then, the bigger issue is, I mean, it, it shows the confidence and it shows the, the skill level of both the Ferrari and of the Claire right now, how on a charge they are. But it really highlights, though, the other end for Red Bull. I mean, in the first nine, I guess, entries they've had, three rounds, two cars each, or I'm sorry, six, um, they've retired three times they retired max and pierre uh, i'm sorry checo wow what year am i in and uh bahrain and obviously max again this past weekend and max said it himself i mean there's no point of challenging for this championship if we can't finish a race yeah. so i mean they're behind merck and the constructors george russell is second and uh I, by the way i don't agree with this comment they are not the fifth fastest car but we moved no, I, I would probably say they're the third best car. I mean, yeah. Jetta really, Lewis got caught out with the, you know, the Mick Schumacher crash, I believe it was, and trying to make it into Q2 on that same set. I would probably say they had the third best car. Um, it's probably between them and McLaren, maybe at the moment. Um, but Mercedes should be able to be a little bit ahead. Uh, but I, I, yeah, I disagree. They're not the fifth best car. Um, 
Checo got P2. George Russell got P3. Uh, George's first podium with Mercedes. Um, McLaren finally had a really good race. They got both cars into Q3, and they both finished in the top 10 to get double points. Uh, I believe they're third or fourth in the championship. Um, I'll tell you who did not have a good weekend. Aston Martin. Yeah, that was not a good weekend from them. I mean, Stroll had his issues all throughout the weekend, especially the you know on-track incidents from qualifying and from uh, the race itself with that five-second time penalty. But Seb, oh no, poor Seb. Yeah, his first race back with uh, missing two races because of COVID, I mean, he crashed three times? Something I know like he, that. I know he, well, no, he had the uh, mechanical issue in free practice one. And then I believe he crashed in free practice three. He got to qualify, um, but then he crashed in the race, and that brought out the only safety car in the race. Um, they have zero points. Yeah. I saw it um, on Instagram earlier today. It's actually the first time since 2009 that that team as a whole, that was back Force India um, back all those years ago, it's the first time since, like, what, 11, 12, 13 years ago? That they yeah. have not scored a point in the first I, three races. I believe oh nine that was their that was their first or second year. Um, that was also the year where they got pole at Spa, I believe, with Gianno uh, Fischichella, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, they've had a horrible start. It's kind of just how much they've regressed since. I know it was the pink Mercedes, but it's just I they're they're just nowhere near what they used to be. Yeah, that's honestly not what we really want to see, especially because Seb and uh, the car, uh, he's, uh, he's a lot of Formula One's uh, favorite, <laughs> myself yeah. included. It's 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 great to see him, but it's horrible to see him struggling. Uh, I think you said it so many times. If, if, if this was the Seb we saw about 10 years ago, people would be like, oh, thank you. He's finally struggling. But now that I mean, he's completely gone full circle, he's like everyone and seeing him struggle like this, it's heart-wrenching. But then on the other side for Stroll, I mean, He's not really liked by many people, but I personally like Lance, and that's something that is apparently um, a personal problem for me. <laughs> okay. I like Lance, though. Um, but to see both of those drivers that I personally view positively struggle like that with the team struggling, look, I mean, they're not just going to show up and be like, yeah, we don't care. We didn't develop the car. It's not like they did what Haas did back a year ago, or they yeah. just like, okay, so we're just going to have a down year and go. They tried. They did the best they could and had what would be a kind of a decent like i guess interpretation of the rules especially with the new regulations it just hasn't worked out and that's not what you want to see from a formula one team to put so much effort time and money in like aston martin for example a big manufacturer Mm -hmm. to go nowhere i mean i could understand that this was five years ago when they were still racing point of course india still going through the financial problems that they had with uh vj maya um it's this is not the problem you know, they used to be able to punch a pretty big result with the little funding that they had and the resources that they had. And, um, yeah, uh, quite a surprise. Also a surprise, uh, Alexander Albon finishes 10th by driving 55 laps on hard tires. Pits for softs at the end. And he gets 10th place. Yeah, I mean, that's the first time since, I mean... That I can remember. I mean, because technically they scored points a decent amount of times. What was it like twenty 
something points a season ago. Yeah. But the last time I saw a Williams that that is in that scenario, not like it because the 2021 Williams was it was really really good in qualifying. It has that mm-hmm. same issue where it's it's really good on the Saturday, but on Sunday it's like it's it's quick when it wants to be, but it was inconsistent. The Williams this season is just not that. It's slower. It's just overall just kind of off the pace compared to the guys like let's say for example that they were fighting a season ago, Alfa Romeo. Yeah, and they are well behind Haas on their given weekend. So I compare it sort of to, well, last couple of years from Williams. And I can remember the last time that I actually was like, wow, this is really pumped to see a Williams point for 10th for one point, which in the grand scheme of things is one point. But for Williams, it's huge, especially I look back to 2019, whenever Kubica had that from a disqualification yeah. in the Alfa Romeos. It's like, whoa. But now you see Albin. Which glad he's back. Twenty twenty was not a really good year for him, especially. I mean, he got kicked out of Red Bull at season's end. But going fifty seven laps on one compound, and then on the final chance pitting and grabbing, still grabbing a point. I mean, as tired as I was, I actually I did not see that till the next day. I was like, because I knew he, he was like he pitted, and I was like, I remember thinking, because forgive me, it was one thirty in the morning. Thinking he's still got a pit, he won't finish there. And I remember looking at the results the next day, going, Wait, he got 10. Uh, how? <laughs> I mean, fair play for them nailing the strategy. Um, yeah. Uh, but I think back last year, if Williams, you know, they did score a, a little points, they got a little bit of benefit from Spall. You know, uh, George Russell made a fantastic qualifying starting position. I believe he was second or third. Yeah. I know he finished on the podium, but Hungary. I mean, it does help when Valtteri wipes out a third of the field. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's when Russell got, I believe that was his first points for Williams. I uh, think so. Like the first, I think actually you're right. It was him and Latifi. Yeah. Because I remember him saying prioritize uh, Latifi if needed. Yeah. I remember him saying that on the radio. Um, I know it's race three. Do you think this is Ferrari's championship to lose? Or is it too early? I I don't want to say it because I am, I've been heartbroken before. Yeah. Like 2019, Leclerc, Ferrari, that looked good. Testing, first round came along, nowhere. Yeah. But here we are now. I honestly, I can't say it's too early, but I can say it's too early for Red Bull. Because right now, I mean, even the people who are saying Mercedes could be there. I think yourself has actually said that as well. But it, one development, like, for example, I think Mercedes are bringing developments to Imola. Mm-hmm. I believe Red Bull said they're bring, bringing developments to Imola. For example, there's seven kilos, I think, taking out of the car. Wait, like just redistribution period. That's yeah. supposed to give them two tenths. On the flip side, you're like, okay, well, those two tenths, that's the gap they have to Ferrari right now. So that could be, okay, Red Bull could be there. But what yeah. about their reliability? Yeah, reliability is going to be a question mark with Red Bull going forward until they can prove otherwise. Um, interesting when you talk about updates going to Imola, Red, where Ferrari's not bringing any updates. Um, I don't know if because of the sprint race is the reason why. I saw the article uh, while I was at work. I didn't really go through it. Um, the Red Bull reminds me a little bit of uh, kind of McLaren in 2012. They Very fast, very competitive car. But it was not reliable. It either won or got a podium or it blew up. Yeah. And it, that's 
that, that's hard to win a constructors championship, let alone a drivers for a team. Um, be interesting uh, how they respond going to Imola, which will be the first sprint race of 2022. And uh, what's your what's your opinion on sprint races? Do you like them? Not like them? To me. I like what they're trying to go for, but I hate the idea, period. So they've had the, the influence. They're trying to get more racing in a, in a weekend. Okay, cool. That's great. That's actually a really good idea. We're trying to get more people, more fans, more viewers on a Saturday. Okay. Now, to me, it's too gimmicky. I don't like it, but they're trying to also make it where there's more racing. But on the other hand, if you think from a logical point of view, on a team standpoint, this is pointless. You have a mm-hmm. cost cap in mind where we cannot have specific development, specific engineers, specific like uh, funds to go replace parts. For example, Williams and Aston Martin may be having to look into come season mid, like towards season's end or toward the middle of the season because they've crashed so much, by the way. But you could throw but, Haas in there as well. Yeah, Haas too because of mixed crash, which was like, what, a million or something? Uh, give or take, yeah. Yeah. But you're having this cost cap where these teams are limited and they don't have as much funds to go and spend on the car. For example, like what Red Bull did a season ago. But you're also implementing more races where they could go wrong. So you're giving them less budget and more opportunities to crash. That doesn't add up. Yeah, and only the top eight get points. I mean, I know last year was top three. I like the idea. This The one thing I don't like is I don't like the fact that qualifying is on a Friday. Like. We all kind of, I mean, as much as we love watching the race, we love watching qualifying because, hey, we want to see how fast these cars can really go on the edge. And that's the only time you see it uh, is there in qualifying. I mean, you saw what happened with Carlos Sainz. He made a mistake, went wide. Uh, Fernando, well, he had a hydraulic issue. But for me, that's why I always love qualifying. You know, who gets the strategy right? I know that the whole Q2 to Q3 tire situation isn't a thing anymore. But... Uh, I mean, I don't like the fact that that's happening while I'm at work. <laughs> I mean, I'm, selfishly, I'll, I'll say it. Why can't they just do free practice three or free practice one, free practice two on a Friday, have a 20-minute session, or just make sure everything's fine, qualify on Saturday, have a little break, race, do the sprint race. That would be my only tweak. I guess that could work. My only issue is, once again, that's just way too much running for the teams. I mean, think sure. about it. You have two what is it, 60-minute practice sessions on Friday, and then mm-hmm. you have that 20-minute warm-up, which, okay, then, I mean, let's say you get rid of that. Okay, well, now you have qualifying straight off the bat, which you don't know that could go horribly wrong, or it could be, you know, not too bad, but then you're also thinking the, the amount of stress in the car there, well, then you have, like, let's say two, three hours. Okay, that's enough for the cars to cool down, but what about the teams that had something go wrong in qualifying? Yeah. They're not on the grid. So yeah. they're just kind of there. Just kind of like, all right, well. It's just kind of my thing of, hey, if this is going to be a thing, I, I would love to have qualifying change. I just don't like it on a Friday. Um, we'll switch to NASCAR. The next F1 race will be on April 24th at Emila. I asked you the sprint question because you're going to be doing that for the first time. Breakout Racing League's going to be doing <laughs> yeah. that for the first time. I'm interested to see one aspect, and that is qualifying, because we're doing a short qualifying for Breakout Racing League. And it's going to be like Q2, because you're still going to have that tire situation, but you're going to have 20 cars instead of 15 cars out there. So that's where I'm going to be interested to see which teams who will go on what what tire compounds, because 
Is it, it's going to be a 25% race, if I'm not correct, right? Yes, the sprint race will be 25%. Okay. So it'd be interesting to see, you know, who picks softs and, you know, hope that tire will make it to the end or who will pick mediums. And knowing that, hey, we might take some pain initially, but hey, if we get a safety car or maybe something happens, the medium tire might be the tire that we want to be on at the end. So I, I guess I'll have my opinion over this after I commentate it, if I'd like it or not. Um, <laughs> We'll switch to the NASCAR race. We'll start with the cup race. And I have to say this. I thought I was going to not be happy. The fact that Martinsville's cup race is on Saturday night. We got breakout racing league. I don't want to miss that race. I'm going to be honest. I'm kind of glad I did. <laughs> that was, I know this new car was going to bring some really good racing and the potential, some bad racing. And that probably was the worst race of the year. I mean, is that fair to say? Yeah, I don't disagree. And the only close second would probably be Richmond. But even then, we saw some, you know, good moments in uh, Richmond. So I think right now, what we've seen so far, it's really early days, and we could have a horrible Bristol dirt race. And I'm praying that doesn't happen. Me too. But we've so far seen that super speedways, they're okay. I mean, they're not bad. But short tracks, barring the, the clash, have been horrible. You know, you touched on Richmond. The one thing that Richmond had that Martinsville did not have was tire fall off. Yeah. Um, you know, you saw that at the end, Denny and, and Harvick, they're on a little bit of fresher tire than Byron and Truex. And, you know, that's what helped win the race. That race Saturday night, after kind of looking at it, I mean, you, first off, the tire life, the fall off was not much. Part of that might have been the weather. It was cold. Part of that might have been because it was at night. Um, but, no no time drop off no real loss of tire wear and grip you couldn't pass i mean chase elliott sat behind bubba wallace at the end of stage two trying to lap him and he couldn't do anything so he just sat there i mean quite uh boring um but then again your boy william byron won Woo! i thought joey logano was gonna move him i think he he tried he tried um we know he'll pull the trigger. All we got to say is 2018. <laughs> uh, the battle, but I can't finish the rest of that sentence. Uh, you might, I might win the battle, but he won't win the war. Um, there you go. Did he win the war? He won the war. He won the war. Um, yeah. That, that was literally the only pass in the whole race was Byron beating Chase Elliott off that road. That was <laughs> the only pass for the lead. Uh but what's funny is Monday night I was racing a Pocono for the Reaper crew and I passed Belvis on the little, actually like coming to the end of stage one. And I did say the party like, Hey, we've had more uh, green flag passes than we did in the cup race. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Chase Elliott got the pole one stage, one stage two, but by virtue of pit strategy or just pit stops, William Byron was able to get the lead and win the race. He held off. Joey Logano and Austin Dillon. We'll move to the big talking point for Martinsville. Ty Gibbs started on pole. He won the first two stages. He was the more most dominant car all night. But in the closing stages, him and Sam Mayer were racing. He was well, Ty Gibbs is racing Brandon Jones. And let's just say Gibbs and Mayer got into a little uh disagreement. And that kind of helped Brandon Jones get the win. But, um, yeah, Ty Gibbs smashing Sam Mayer's car uh, at the end of the race. 
We saw what happened on pit road of them fighting. One had a helmet on, one did not. Uh, what was your take on that? Well, if it means anything, there's been so much drama and talking about this altercation between Sam Mayer and Ty Gibbs that I actually forgot Brandon Jones won the race and I was actually watching that race more than I watched the cup race. So if that says anything, I don't know what does, but personally from the incident itself, the on track where it actually happened to me is racing, you know, it's short track. There's nothing else that, I mean, Sam Mayer is trying to go for a position. Ty Gibbs was trying to go for the same one. They're three wide in the exit of the corner. And they make cons at because there's not enough space at Martinsville to go three wide on the exit. Okay. Yeah. That's big. You know, I can understand why Ty is a little frustrated. I can understand why Sam's like, I, don't, I really couldn't do anything. But here's where I don't like. Now, I understand a little bit of post-race frustration. You know, Denny did it to Bowman. We saw the last time we went to Martinsville before last weekend. And he, you know, went up to him while he's doing his burnouts and started, you know, kind of showing his displeasure right on the start finish line. Okay. That's fine. Nothing really bad happened. And then Ty Gibbs has, you know, kind of a similar premise, except he completed the move and straight up spun him around, which, okay, I get it. You know, I mean, if you're going to do that, I mean, I, I don't preferably like that, but he chose to do it. And he tore up his front end by doing that. Exactly. That's what I'm like. I don't, it wasn't worth it because he could have just done what he proceeded to do afterwards and go on pit road and beat the crap out of him. And here's my issue now is if you're going, I mean, I don't I, personally, I don't like violence. I'm not going to condone it, but if you're going to be a frustrated at someone where you're going to have to take physically like, you know, violence and go and, you know, for, uh, confront them physically, go ahead. It's your, your, your own person. And that's between you two. Yeah. Now here's where I think it's wrong. Sam Mayer takes his helmet off. Okay. You know, I mean, he's getting out of the car or whatever. Ty Gibbs immediately jumps out of the car. You could see the official holds him back. He yep. rushes off. No one listens to officials when it comes to fights. Trust me, there's been a lot of people who've done it, and I, I don't think you can hold back a driver with emotion. That's the worst thing you can do. That's like, I don't know. I can't even think of an emotion right now to, to kind of like analogize that. But here's what I don't like. He goes up to Sam Mayer, helmet on still, and you know they start talking or whatever, and it gets heated, and then they start fighting. Now... Maybe that was initiated by Sam Mayer reaching into Ty's visor. Maybe it wasn't, but regardless, he did push the helmet. Sam did push Ty, and then exactly. I think that's what started it. But um, I, I don't. The helmet. I, I I don't disagree. Um, one element added to their uh, on track battle is they were battling for a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, that's true. Which they both didn't get. AJ Almendinger got, which that makes me happy. But hey, it, that part's <laughs> racing. What I don't like is, hey, Ty Gibbs, and I'm not going to throw Sam Mayer in it because he was on the other end of it. Work on that car. Ty doesn't put the body on that car. Ty's not going to be the one that fixes it. The guys at the shop are going to have to fix that. A car that, all intents and purposes, if you redo that restart again 10 times, Ty probably wins eight of them. I mean, and you have to think, hey, they're going back there, you know, later in the year. You win that race, you're at Phoenix racing for a championship, and you probably you just destroy the front end of it. That is like, why? You're throwing a fit. I get you're frustrated, but as your point on pit road, um, I have no problem if both helmets are off and Sam, you know, pushing, pushing, and Ty said, you know, I've had enough and Dexam, i.e. Noah versus Harrison a couple of years ago. I mean, 
Harrison was pushing Noah and Noah had the body language of, I don't want to be pushed. And Harrison pushed him one too many times. Hey, but I'm not one for violence, but Hey, Ty, take off your helmet. I mean, that wasn't just one punch. That was like four or five. And, and, and then it stems off of, you know, we were all waiting for when Ty was going to get on the short end of the stick because we've seen how aggressive he's been. We saw it a week ago. We saw it at Las Vegas of Ryan Sieg. You know, he's not afraid to use his bumper or race a little over aggressively if it help if it works in his favor. And kind of had to wonder that, hey, what's gonna happen when it's the roles are reversed, you know? Yeah. It just did not have a good look. We'll move to the uh, truck race. This was also won by William Byron. Well, he was two for two for the weekend. Um, really, the only thing I noticed from the truck race is, boy, Johnny Sauter and Alan Lawless, more Sauter. Boy, he just basically wall. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I said it last week, and I will probably keep saying this until it happens. Take Haley out of the truck series. Riley Herbst is doing nothing in that 98. Just put her in there. I mean, she's going to be racing around better people. And even if she finishes 20th, two laps down, she needs to learn. And I don't think she's learning in the truck series. She's learning how to wreck. That's what's happening. Well, she's learning how people basically get wrecked. Yes. I mean, I, I can understand if she if she was the one causing the wreck. She's might have caused a handful of wrecks like all drivers do. But I'm sorry, what Johnny Sauter did, I, you know, I just it, almost every race she gets the short end of the stick by people just saying, "Oh, it's Haley. I'm just going to put her in the wall, or I'm just going to move her." And I don't know. I don't really particularly care for it. Um, I know we talked about the whole Ben Rhodes, Christian Eckes, and Stuart Friesen wreck. Um, do you think Ben Rhodes is aggressive, too aggressive with with his teammate going three wide and three? I said it last time, and I'll say it again. I personally, he isn't in the wrong based off of racing etiquette rules. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's not. He's alongside his earth space, goes in the corner. Okay, fine, he's there. Now here's where logic comes in. Your teammate's going for a move on Friesen, or he can't get around Friesen, for example. So, okay, you want to get past him to go get a chance at Friesen, get more points, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, okay, I get that. Here's my issue. 50 to go. And it's a teammate. Okay, people are, like, making the excuse of, or justification towards uh, Rhodes saying, okay, he's part-time. Well, if he's part-time and he didn't deserve to be there, why is he racing? So... True. I mean, it's 50 to go. I mean, I'm not going to say that you don't need to start making moves because Martinsville is the kind of track that you need to go going as quick as possible. But not then and there. There's a time and a place to go three wide. Martinsville is not one of them. Well, we saw that in the Xfinity race of how quickly the whole track can get basically blocked. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that one. Yeah, I did I did until recently now. Um, yeah, it didn't help that Ben Rhodes clipped the curb. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've raced uh, Martinsville and Arca, and that curb, <laughs> you don't want to touch it. It's like you play a game of how close you can get to that curb, but once you touch it, the car just immediately just shoots, or in this case, his truck did. Um, 
unfortunately, Stewart got the kind of the short end of the stick on that one. But I have to say, the, the truck race, for all intents and purposes, was the most calmest race out of the three. I know Which the is, cup race was boring. Whew, I did not expect that one. No, I did not either. Um, have you seen, speaking of that big, the big one at uh, Martinsville, have you seen or heard Darren Hart Jr. on the radio going through that with his, uh, TJ I Majors? Have. Yeah. Uh, that is hilarious. Just TJ on the roof saying, I'm going home. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, all right, get me through the spud. All right, green. Oh, my. Uh, it's great. Hey, he did call it on the radio. He, he said did. that one, one was going to get turned, and he was wrong. It was like, you know, 15 of them. Yeah. Which, uh, I mean, that wreck itself was – if you ever think of a racing catastrophe at Martinsville, that's the answer right there. Just go look up on Wikipedia. What happens if you have racing at Martinsville? There's your picture. Yeah. It reminded me, I was taking a sip of my red, uh, root beer. Um, it reminded me of 2017, or was it? Yeah, it was 17 when they had that big melee at the finish. And uh, Matt Kinsip, your driver, said that Sony needed to punch <laughs> Ryan Blaney in the head. <laughs> uh, don't disagree. <laughs> uh, I don't think it was. What made that comment more funny was uh, at Vegas, they all had 16 drivers on that stage. And uh, Someone asked Ryan Blaney if, uh, or no, Matt, if you would allow Ryan to uh, babysit your kids. And uh, Ryan goes, was that before or after you punched me in the head? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Last series to cover off, IndyCar was at Long Beach. I watched it. Did you watch any of it? Yes, I did. Um, Jimmy Johnson had a weekend he (sighs) wanted to forget. Um, Crashed Friday. And he broke a, a bone in his, about his interior hand area. It wasn't the finger. Uh, had another go at it Saturday. Crashed again. Uh, but luckily, he didn't cause any more damage. He actually had surgery on that on Monday. He has a screw in his hand now. It's pretty big screw, if I'm not, if I'm honest. Looks like a drag strip. Yeah, it's... It's, it's, I looked at that Giant. one. It's, yeah, I'm like, I don't know how comfortable I would be with that in my, my hand. Yeah. <laughs> Can you move your hand, Jimmy? No, it's a plank now. Yeah. Um, we'll get to what happened to him at the race, but um, I thought this was going to be Colton Hurd's weekend. And Absolutely. It looked like it was going to be his weekend until the first round of pit stops. And then Polo and New Garden jumped him, but. Um, it was kind of like Nashville, that bump uh, at Long Beach going into kind of the fast right-hander at the kind of the end of the track. That made it unsettled, and he was just along for the ride at that point. Yeah, I uh, I watched that moment thinking, okay, Herta could have a really good chance here if cycles out towards his favor, if there's maybe a yellow or there's something that goes on that could possibly go on. I mean, because I think at that time um, – Dixon was also trying to go through the field. Herto had like a huge chance because Dixon was good. Because he was like he's yeah. going to the end or whatever, and because uh, he had to work. I think no, actually he was good to the end if he saved, which he could do. But Herto was so far ahead of Dixon, and Herto just came out. I think a couple of laps prior or something like that, or he was going in in a couple of laps. Regarding, I can't remember. But he was in such a good position compared to Pelo because Pelo I think just got a little bit of traffic. He just got through. He was Herto was foot to the floor. Yeah, and looking right at then and there, I knew not again. Because personally, to me, I'm not a big fan of Herta. Not because I don't like him. He just, to me, he's just kind of there. You know, he's he's cool to watch. Really, really fun. Same with Pato. But it sucks to see 
again and again something like that happened. It reminded me very much of Nashville when he was trying to chase down Marcus Erickson and yes. him just going a full bore aggressive and it biting him. Yeah. Um, and then we had uh, one of the more unique crashes. I even said it, I believe, in the Discord of, hey, I want to see someone go in this fountain. Uh, <laughs> Simon Patchnell all but did. He was turned around in the flowers, and I was, I took, I was looking at the screen going, wait, what, uh, what's going on here? Yeah. Uh, what was it? It was four cars, I think, actually involved. He was, who was he going on the move for? Uh, Takuma. Was it, okay, yeah. So it was Sato. Then he he spun there, but it was he was so good he could have tried to flick spun it. And then he had who were the two others that hit? It was one like, was Scott McLaughlin. The other one I believe was Rena's VK. I know Scott I think was. Think it one. was VK. I think the other one was VK. I can't remember. But, but then <laughs> Pagano like oh, I could get out of the way. Just drove himself into the flowers. It was like oh okay I'll park here now. Yep. And then uh, race to the finish. Had New Garden pretty much. He had Polo behind him. He had Grosjean on fresh set reds. And I'm going to be honest if Grosjean makes quick work of Polo, which he did, it took him a couple of laps, he might have had something for New Garden. But he's one thing that Grosjean was not going to do was scare New Garden in the mirrors. That ain't happening. But um, I I think if, if. if Grosjean would have gotten by Polo the first time he tried to do the over the move, he might have had fresher tires to get by Newgarden because, you know, once he kind of caught Newgarden and he took a, his one look, but Newgarden defended brilliantly. Just the, he just burnt up his reds too much, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, nothing he could do. And then the race ends under yellow. I I don't know if Jimmy got hit or not. But he did mention that he got too much on that rubber, which you could tell it was it was a just a line of rubber going around that corner at Long Beach. The kind of the it's the fast left and the fast right. Then he had that straight where Colton crashed out. Um, Jimmy backed it in, and then uh, that caused the yellow on the final lap. And Joseph Newgarden get the win, his first win of the year. Uh, right, he. Did he win St. Pete or was that Will Power? Uh, no, that was McLaughlin. Oh, right, right, all right. It was so, McLaughlin, and then he won Texas. That's Joseph right. New Garden. So won Joseph Texas. won Texas. He's won what two straight now? It is two straight. I forgot about that. Um, yeah, he beat him on the last lap on the last corner. It's a great move. Yeah, it was. So Penske's won the first three races. Uh, IndyCar will go to Barber on May first. You going to that or is I'm going to try. I've gone the last, I think, oh no, I've gone, to, I plan to go to the last two. I went to the last one and mm-hmm. saw, who was, who won there? Um, uh, Pillow. Was, oh yeah, it was Pillow. I remember that now. Yeah. Okay. That was his first and career I was, win. I was trying to go to the, I think it was 2020, I think it was, but I had a horrible, horrible heat stroke on like that Saturday. So I didn't actually go to it, but let's try to go for that one. That'd be fun. Did they race there in 2020? It was either 2020 or 19. I cannot remember. It, I mean, Whatever those two years are—it's much of a blur. It was, yeah. I mean, we were mentioning Australia 2019. and they're thinking, is that really 20? Like, is that really only three years ago? How? It feels like ten. Oh God, yes, it does. Um, we'll move to questions from the server. This one's from Maniko. Now that we've seen two races, now technically three, 
with these new cars and how close they can follow, what is your initial thoughts of the new regulations now? Do you like this new kind of racing or do you think something is off about them? Uh, I'll let you go first on that. To me, I actually think it's a really, really big step up um, from seasons prior. I mean, the, the downforce, it's not overly uh, demanding and dramatic, especially with the wake and the following is a lot closer. It's not like it's absolutely like, I mean, bumper to bumper kind of close, but that's obviously not what you want to, because then it would pretty much be a spec series. But right. the, the strides they made, it's not perfect, but it's getting there. And that's really, really good to see, especially through, I mean, we've seen Bahrain. That's a good kind of intermediate kind of circuit where you have a lot of high speed, but a lot of downforce dependent corners. Okay. Then we went through a, the Monza street circuit. That's what I like to call it. Cause I mean, it's just, it's weird to say, the quick street circuit of Jetta, which yeah. doesn't make sense to me. But, I mean, there's still a lot of high-speed downforce corners there and a lot of straights, but we had a couple, I mean, especially since Sector 1, a lot of medium to low-speed corners there. So that shows, okay, downforce is good, following is good. And then we went to the second street circuit of Melbourne, and it appears really, really, really good there, too. But the following is good, but my only concern is... The DRS. It's everyone was saying these regulations will will take away DRS. It'll be closer. We don't need it anymore. We'll we'll bring in this. We'll do this, and DRS is gone. No. In fact, I think it's even worse this year in a way, especially with what I've seen through Max and Leclerc the first couple of uh, races so far. Is they need to take away these double DRS zones, like let's say straight away back to back. They need to make those one detection point, like they did with Australia and Melbourne not too long ago with the first detection point from the main straightaway to turn one and then from turn two down to turn three, that if they're going to have a back-to-back DRA straight, like they had for Melbourne, like they have for uh, Mexico. And I believe there's another circuit. I can't remember that has one. They need to do that because the, the, what we saw through Jetta, I mean, not only just like two weeks or three weeks ago, or whatever it was for round two, but a season prior at Jetta, that is going to be dangerous. If that happens again, I mean, we saw, Leclerc and Max had their brawl at Bahrain. Okay, we saw light use of that DRS where Leclerc kind of left off a bit, got past Max back, and then we saw it again more dramatically around later where they both like just crawled to that line. But if they keep doing that with this DRS, it's someone's going to get a severe collision. Kind of, I mean, kind of like what Max and Lewis had, but worse in a way. I think that thought process is why they got rid of that drs straight at australia that they added which for me when i saw that being added, i was like i don't know if this is a good idea because that's a very very fast not only straight but that chicane is also very fast and very narrow and for me i mean we saw perez and russell try to go at it and i mean russell couldn't get the move done but i'm like just imagine if russell did have drs and how fast he would be going even more going through there it's just recipe for a crash that we don't need to see. I mean, look what happened already through that race. I, I mm-hmm. mean, I mean, before that point, we had two cars had huge moments going into that fast left-right chicane. Mm-hmm. I mean, science. Imagine that crash with DRS. That's barriers. Yeah. Magnuson. Imagine his off. That's barriers. I mean, there's no saving that if you have DRS, that overspeed for those corners. Because, I mean, you don't break much for those corners. You never have. I mean, it's maybe down one or two gears. But if you have that overspeed, I mean, because you have the momentum from the first sector, it builds up and you have a straightaway 
with DRS, plus Slipstream example for Checo and uh, Lewis's fight. If Checo had DRS, I mean, if the safety guard didn't also come out as well, going into that corner, there was going to be a lot of issues, especially on an exit for Checo. Because, I mean, even if you get into the corner and make it stick, you are compromising your entry speed so much. Hamilton passes back. Yeah, uh, it kind of reminded me a little bit of, I uh, forgot the year, I believe it was 2018 when they added the DRS straight on the first straightaway at Silverstone. And yeah. I believe, who was it that crashed out? I believe it was uh, Marcus. I or think it was, was Erickson. I, be- I think it was Erickson. And he lost it because his DRS was just slightly still open when he was turning in. Yep. It wasn't like Monza where the DRS failed. Um, no, it was still slightly open. And I was like, just don't want that going to that part because what if that happens? The driver literally has no control of what's going to happen next. Yeah. I mean, going into Abbey, it's one of the corners that you, I mean, you basically, with the right line, you could take it almost as your flat with that same kind of momentum. Yeah. Qualifying with DRS, you. there's no saving that. Mm-mm. No. I mean, once that once that rear end steps out at that speed and with the DRS still open or even whatever, she's gone. Yeah. There's no point in saving it anymore. Um, what was announced two weekends ago or two weeks ago, the Formula One in 2023 will race at Las Vegas on the weekend after Thanksgiving. It will be on a Saturday and a Sunday. Carbon wants to know, what do you think of all of that? Um I, me personally, I don't like it being on the weekend after Thanksgiving, and I think it's a too late of a time, in my opinion, a little bit too late, being the fact that, hey, East Coast, that's going to be, what, a midnight start time? Um, I think, isn't it 10 Pacific? I believe it's 10 Pacific. It's 1 Eastern, then. Yeah. Um, that's, the, that's the one thing I don't like, is I get it because you're trying to do it to help Europe time as well, but... Why can't this race start at, I don't know, 7 Pacific? Yeah. I mean, because that time it's, it's, I mean, that would be 8 Mountain, 9 yeah. Eastern, or I'm sorry, 10 Eastern, 9 Central. That's fine for U.S. I mean, that's, yeah. we, we were a huge time zone diverse country. But, I mean, to me, that's why I don't kind of necessarily like being an American F1 fan. Is even when we have our own Grand Prix, it's not catered to us. <laughs> no. So, it's like, what? well... You know, well, we kind of fight this little issue sometimes of NASCAR with them starting at two and whatever. But you know, with Coda, it starts pretty much in the middle of Sunday. Uh, I believe it started at two p.m. last year Central. Um, so Something that's like that. that's not too much of an issue with it being during the day. But at night, like I don't, the East Coast, I don't know if you're gonna if they want to stay up to two a.m. I mean, heck, we barely did last Sunday. Um, I mean, I'll do it regardless, but I'll do it. I mean, I'll just complain later about it. (laughs) I mean, I kind of understand why they want it to start a little bit later because what is it? What was the 10 you said it was? I think it was Pacific. Yeah. So so. with that being said, I mean, obviously it's Vegas. So you're going to have the lights of Vegas and whatever, you know, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, that kind of mentality, the lights everywhere, the Vegas strip lit up. You see all these signs. It's okay. Sick. That's it looks really nice aesthetically and okay, that's gonna be really cool to see. However, if that started, let's say seven, this is kind of why I think I, I get why they put it a little bit later. I just don't know why it's that late. Is cause seven that time it I don't actually know when the sun sets towards Thanksgiving. Yeah. But 
once that starts setting, one, I mean, the race start, if it is a day when it goes day to night, it's not very aesthetically pleasing. You want, I mean, you, for the Vegas strip to be successful, you want appeal. You know, you want fan interest, fan appeal. And if it starts, let's say, dusk into, you know, in the, in the night, you're not going to have these signs lit up yet. You're not going to have the yeah. flashy mentality That's of Vegas. That's a good point. And then towards the end, okay, sure. But look at Singapore and look at Bahrain. They both start at night and end mm-hmm. at night. So, okay, I get it there. My only issue is actually with the circuit itself. It's, to me, another circuit that reminds me of Jeddah or uh, Hanoi or these like very quick street circuits. I mean, there's some characteristics that I see, which I think you've actually said before too, that it's rivaled to Adelaide. Okay. Why is it just a long straight down the strip? Okay, I get it. You can keep that one. But what's with the other two? Do we just need straight line corner, straight line corner, straight line little section corner, and then straight line again? Yeah, that's that's why I said it was Adelaide because back in the day, Adelaide was pretty much a circuit with a little bit of chicanes here and there, but it was just a bunch of straights. Um, <laughs> you know, I could understand if they were starting this race if it was like August or like you know July, ten o'clock makes perfect sense because we know how hot it gets there. Yeah. So I don't know. And who knows? I don't know what the temperature is going to be at Vegas. Um, I don't know really anyone that lives in Vegas to ask that question. Um, they won't have a problem selling out. I will say that. Oh, yeah. Um, Which I, mean, I think there's going to be a ton of. I mean, we thought like Coda was bad or not bad, was stacked with celebrities from America. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do we think the NFL is going to have the memo to make sure the Raiders are on a bye week or on a on? away oh do you think they'll get the memo it's the nfl they're not doing anything they don't care okay they're they're having the raiders at home that saturday night knowing them they would knowing (laughs) them they would it's gonna be horrible traffic place um last but certainly not least zach came in last second with this one simply put why are you a scott dixon fan oh i got this one i've been i've been preparing my entire life for this I like the color. <laughs> I like the color red. <laughs> so back when I was uh, getting into Indy, uh, Indy, Indy because I was primarily an NASCAR fan. That's what I was born up with. That's what I was raised, and I didn't really, you know, have much appeal in IndyCar or any open wheel racing. Period. Because I mean, that's just not what my interest was. Well, one day I'm like, okay, well, I kind of want to see what this, what the fuss is all about. I think it was a twenty. I think it was a, either eleven or twelve Indy five hundred. Something like that. I was around nine, eight or nine at the time. And I'm like, okay, well, I've seen NASCAR. You know, I've gone through. And the one scheme I've always seemed to enjoy in NASCAR, even though I never technically had a favorite driver. I mean, I love at the time, I liked a lot of people. I never hated anyone. But I would always be drawn to Kenseth or Casey Kane, that is. Mm -hmm. But I always seem to love Ganassi's 42. Or back when Casey Mears, the 41. I'm like, okay, that target scheme is amazing. I go and watch the Indy 500. I'm like, oh, wait, I know this car. Okay, I like this guy. And then I, I so happened to he, I don't know where he finished in that, uh, whatever that Indy 500 was, but he finished pretty good. I don't know if he won or if he got a top five or whatever he did. So I'm like, okay, well, I like, I like the car. Who's this guy, Scott? Yeah, let's go with him. And it's stuck ever since. <laughs> I mean, for open wheel racing, I know NASCAR had the, the target car with with Casey Mears, Jimmy Spencer, and then Montoya. But, uh, oh, no, Reed Sorensen then drove the target car for a little bit. Um, those target cars, though, in open wheel racing were iconic. 
I mean, you look in the late 90s, that's where Zanardi was, Montoya was, Jimmy Vassar. Um, my favorite Scott Dixon paint scheme uh, is 2016 when he had the target car with the yellow lightning. That's actually on um, Forza. Uh, but that's a scheme, I actually, I have. Um, yeah. Um, Scott, I, don't, I can't think of one thing he doesn't do well in an IndyCar. I can't think of one. Lose? Well, he does. <laughs> well, let's just say he deserves way more than one Indy 500. Yeah. Um, and he's been close. 2015, him and Montoya were dueling it. Then, well, for a little bit of willpower in there as well. The last two years. Well, hang on. Um, Which one did Taku win? Was it last year or was it year before? 2020. No, last year was Elio. So, yeah, it was 2020. 2020. Yeah, that one, Dixon could have, should have won that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he set the fastest poll time in 2017, the fastest poll time in, I want to say, 20 years. And, of course, that was the infamous one where he went airborne. Um, there's Dang. no denying the talent that he has. and yeah, I, I know no one likes – the GOAT conversation is a very hard conversation to have in racing. However, in IndyCar, you could probably say Scott Dixon's the GOAT, and no one would probably argue with that. I mean, unless they bring AJ Foyt into the mix, but you know, you know, James Hinchcliffe brought up a very good point when it came to Mario and AJ Foyt is as successful as they were, the field was not as competitive as it is today or even in Dixon's era. I mean, who did Mario have to beat? Probably four or five cars. You look at Dixon, he has to beat pretty much Andretti, Pinsky. Oh, by the way, McLaren or back in the day when they were Schmidt Peterson, you got Ray Hall up there. The competition, I mean, you see it every time there's any car race. It's tight. It's very, yeah. very tight. And, you know, you mentioned it earlier in the Long Beach race. You know, he qualified, I want to say, 13th or 14th. Did the brilliant move of pitting early and logging clean laps by himself and matching the same lap time Herta was doing while leading. And that saw him leapfrog all the way from 13th to basically 6th by just doing that. Yeah. I mean... And plus, you mentioned earlier, him saving fuel outside of Rossi in 2016 Indy 500, what he was doing, he's the best, period, at saving fuel. Like, yeah. I, no, everyone scratches their head in IndyCar. How does he do it? <laughs> I um, love it because um, I think actually on the broadcast, it may have been Hinch who said it. It wouldn't surprise me if it was Hinch. It could have also been um, uh, T. Could have Townsend. Been Townsend also, yeah. I was going to say TB. I'm like, that doesn't sound right. But I mean, technically it is, but I, one of those two, but he says, I don't understand how he can save this gas. No one else can make it, but him. I, there was a race in 2018, I believe it was 18. Uh, it was the Indy GP. And I remember there were, oh, yeah. he had a horrible practice, horrible qualify. And he was talking, like just sitting on the pit wall, scratching their heads of kind of not knowing what to do. And he finishes third by a brilliant strategy and also just finding a way to make a fuel number works. And what's funny about Dixon is he can make a fuel number work yet still be fast. Yeah, that's what I don't get. Because I mean, the whole point of fuel saving is to go slower. Yeah, Dixon, I think, matches people when he's fuel saving. It's just incredible. So we'll switch to questions. Usually, I will ask questions to Hey Catra, but we're gonna flip it. She's going to ask me some questions. Yeah. Uh, 
So I'm going to assume this is going to pertain to last weekend and BRL. So uh, have at it. So first thing I do want to say is obviously you, you've been around. So you've, you've, not, you've, you've had your fair share of league racing atmosphere already through the couple of seasons you've done already. But now you finally got in it yourself. You finally got in the car. You finally got in that qualifying session, that race session. I mean, it didn't obviously go well in the end. I mean, resulting in the end result wasn't so great. But no. did, what did you, first off, did you, what did you learn from it? Um, it, it? Your mind has to comprehend at a speed that it's not been used to, honestly. Um, and practice doesn't do it justice. Um, you know, I practiced for Bahrain and I practiced and I felt okay. And there were some areas I had to work at the part where I crashed at, I made a mistake there and I shifted up the seventh. Um, and I practiced going up in the race, not shifting up the seventh yet. I unfortunately did, but you just can't simulate the real thing. Um, having to nail a qualifying lap, you know, and dealing with the traffic it's, it's night and day different. Um, the race itself, um, just the jitters and nerves a little bit of it being the first one and experiencing everything for the first time. And also had, I experienced what y'all experienced the dreaded wheel glitch. It sucks. <laughs> um, it does. Luckily mine happened under, uh, VSC. Um, but yeah, it, it's just, how can I compare it? Um, I've done NASCAR. And, you know, I did Pocono and, you know, I, there's not much really for you to get up to speed at. I've done IndyCar. It's faster. It's a little bit more complicated, but it's uh, manageable. It's like going from a propeller plane to a fighter jet. And then you go to from a fighter jet of an IndyCar to a F1 car, which is the space shuttle, <laughs> where everything's faster. You have more grip. Setup is completely foreign to me and also just gears and like not just downshifting, but upshifting. So that way you don't have the back and snap around and just kind of memorizing all these things to where you have a fluid motion. And I didn't really get that much in the race. I was constantly having to look to see which gear I was in. And um, yeah, pretty much that sums it up. <laughs> well, Baptism and fire. Yeah, that's that's exactly what it was. But um, one thing I've noticed, though, is, I mean, you've seen all these different driving styles. I mean, you're you have your own. Obviously, everyone has their own. I mean, it's to me, it's different and difficult, more specifically, to try and go out and push a car like someone else, you know, and that's unfortunately what you have to do in the F1 game, because, I mean, you have to you have your own driving style, but the ones who have the quote unquote right driving style are always the ones that are quick. Yeah. And that doesn't make sense to me. Well, I, I'll tell you one thing I've I've done this week. Um I've had a little bit of help. Like I would ask Bailey, he said, Hey, give me a lap over at Bar Range and just to see what he's doing. And um like, okay, okay, okay. And I didn't think of it at the time, but it was a problem. The whole race, the whole thing, I had the back of my mind of what Oh, Bailey did this, so this, this, this. And I kept thinking of that. And, I mean, you've been in F1, those things. You don't have time to think. No. So I've actually done a flip thing of let me do Imola because most of these tracks are foreign to me. 
let me learn this at my rate and let me get comfortable uh, doing it. And then let me just build the speed. And I've kind of just done that all week. And it's, I feel more confident going into Imola part of already one done a race, but you know, I'm not thinking anymore. It's more fluid now. Um, I don't know how fast I can improve my time, but I mean, I'm down to a 15, four, mm-hmm. which I'm not, I, I know there's a still a lot there to improve, but I'm like, Hey, that's not a bad time considering when I kind of first started in the week, I was just getting into the, I think like mid sixteens. Yeah. So, that's, that's it. That's an improvement and a half. So, yeah, uh, I'm interested to see what happens on Friday. Uh, now that I've experienced everything one time and who knows, maybe we'll experience rain. We'll see. <laughs> That'll be a huge difference. Ooh. I, I did some intermediate running in the, in the Grand Prix mode and the car felt okay. Mm-hmm. Felt okay. I haven't done full wets. Um, uh, I think I'll probably just do test session with that, but, uh, yeah, uh, that's one element I got to get learning at as well, is the, just the wet running. One other big element, though, is actually, do you want to touch out uh, before I have, I have one more after this one, is the biggest element that I've honestly seen, and we all have to cope with this differently. And, you know, sometimes you sink, sometimes you swim. But was the pressure, you know, because, I mean, for me personally, the pressure itself isn't too bad in the race. I never can nail a qualifying lap because the yeah. pressure always seems my heart rate goes up. I get jittery. I know I'm a good lap and I mess up. Did you have that kind of experience? Um, it wasn't jitteries of messing up or, you know, I, uh, I, I missed a 10th here or that. It, not jitters like that. Um, Cause when you're going flat out at a speed, you know, you just kind of have to go with it. And, I, I even in NASCAR, there's times I don't even nail the perfect lap in qualifying. You know, there's I think I've always left a tenth on the table just because it's the switch is flipped and it's real. Um, but my only thing is like, okay, I just want to drive the car, be competitive, not make any big mistakes. I know I crash out of Bahrain, but you know, I don't want to look like an idiot. You know, I don't want to be crashing into people. Or, you know, I, I want to be at least competitive, but also that I can hold my own, you know, yeah. that I, I, at least I deserve to be in that race, not someone who's causing or spinning constantly and, and, you know, crashing all the time that, yeah, that affects my race, but it affects the overall race itself. That's what I don't want. And, you know, as long as I practice and, you know, do things like that, I'll be okay with that and i think the more you practice the the better you're going to get eventually yeah absolutely that's um going to be honestly it's going to be a great thing to see your progression in the season if you stay consistent with how you're doing right now i mean from the beginning i remember whenever you first had this thought you were like i don't even know if i'm going to be quick and you're doing laps out here and i'm like yeah like in the back of my head i'm like yeah that's probably towards the back tier four well fast forward just a weekend of actual cheer racing, you're closer to me than I was closer to me. If that even makes sense at the beginning of this point of the game for, I mean, because I mean, you were on the game. There's no doubt about that. You've done your things. You've done your, your, uh, your races, your shifting, all that stuff. But at this point in that one week, two weeks period, you've improved by seconds 
Well, well now I can't I, wait to see the rest. <laughs> I think one element is I don't have F1 2020. Sure. I kept driving the RB6 or the bronze so much that I struggled in the F1 2020 car because I was driving it kind of like an RB6 or a bronze, and you can't do that. Whereas doing this now for the last you know month or so, I've been strictly just driving an F1 car, finding a setup, tuning it a little bit, kind of making it tweaking to where it would work for me a little bit more. Um, to where now I'm, I'm comfortable in what the car is going to do. And yeah, sometimes she will want to step out a bit, but I'm a lot more secure than I, than I was prior. Yeah. So one final thing, and this is something that I know everyone who's going to be listening to this podcast is going to ask and think the same thing. We've all been wondering it. Now it's time to put it into words and to put it into writing. You've done one race. It obviously wasn't the best race. But what do you like more? Engineering or racing? Mm. It depends how the race is going, honestly. (laughs) I I think that's what it boils down to. Um, You know, I'll give you a prime example. I I think if I didn't wreck at Bahrain, I probably wasn't getting the points. Um, I didn't make the best start, but... I made up kind of quick work there. I got near, I think, in the points by the first handful of laps. Um, but I think it's just, it, as an engineer, I've had days where stuff just goes wrong or I might make a mistake or you just have a race where you just think and you just go, damn, you know, just whatever. <laughs> but, you know, but then again, you look at tier one, you know, Sanchez finishes P2. Um, I, I think I have fun driving. Don't get me wrong. I think it's just, it just, just depends how the race goes. I, I think this is the honest question. Um, uh, so you want to be competitive or be in the position where you are competitive. And, um, if you get, if, if things go your way, then yeah, you're happy. So I think it's a combination of both. It just depends if, you know, I think you get more satisfaction when you're in the car and you do it, which, you know, I'll hopefully experience that soon. So, you know, but it's, it's kind of even if I'm honest. Ah, okay. Because like, you know, during tier one, you know, Bailey had this unfortunate wheel issue again, like he had at Mexico, um, but he was able to fix and continue, but you know, he plummeted down the water, but Sanchez, you know, he was running second, I don't think anyone had anything for Chandler straight up equal. Uh, but, you know, Sanchez was about maintaining over hoop and just kind of reassuring Chandler or uh, Sanchez, hey, just focus forward. Everything's fine. Just, you know, hoop's not really eating at you. It's about even. And then, you know, the, the late safety card comes on and then Sanchez switches to a new set of softs. And, to see Sanchez run Chandler down. I mean, if you have one more lap, he might've been able to pull the trigger and get the move done. So, um, and those moments, those are fun because you're sitting back just watching it and you really, there's nothing you can do and you want it to go well. You are, there is some anxiety there though. Um, a lot of anxiety, honestly, because you're basically, um, it's out of your control. Honestly. Uh, 
Um, I, was that the last one you had? That was. Well, um, I'll have to ask you how you feel about your tier two season. Uh, as the <laughs> season progresses, we're just gonna overskip Bahrain because that is <laughs> not fair. Um, not <laughs> fair. Uh, but we'll move to the closing topic. This was a show 15, 16 years ago. Uh, we've seen Drive to Survive for Formula One on Netflix, what it has done for the sport, for better or worse. Um, I still think, even though the last, I would say the last season was okay, this most recent one horrible but the first two were great but there was a show on fx called nascar drivers 360 and it was about the same premise you had some cup drivers on there like a kevin harvick a darren hart jr or a rusty wallace who were popular and won races and then he had some characters he had kenny wallace uh, rusty's brother who is a character ward burton that's all we got to say he's a character just in himself and some other guys casey mears and etc and they basically did the same thing of Drive to Survive. They show these drivers of what they do during the week, of their normal life, racing life, then the race itself on the weekend, then a little bit after the race. Which makes me ask you, if you had to reboot NASCAR Drivers 360, which drivers would you pick? Either in Cup or Xfinity or even trucks that you would promote? 